oriented. Cool. All right. What's going on, guys? My name is Mateo. We are blessed to have um, Draith from the Pirate Chain crew onto the channel to teach us a little bit about Pirate Chain. Draith is the president of the BPSAA, the Blockchain Security Alliance. He is the main advisor to Nightlife Crypto, and he is a captain of the Pirate Chain crew. So we're good to have him on. How are you doing, Draith? Thank you for I'm doing great. How about you? Doing excellent. Doing excellent. So the community is absolutely strong. Uh, we actually did a poll, and I don't know if you saw it, but on our channel, you know, I asked my people, and most of my people are Monero people, but I put it out there. I'm like, so what's your favorite privacy project in crypto? And I listed uh, Haven, Pirate Chain, Monero, and I think Darrow. You guys came out in huge numbers. I mean, uh, <laughs> the links were shared on Discord. They're shared all over the place. And I think you guys knocked the ball out of the park. And so the community is just so strong. I love the community. I think we may actually have more supporters of Pirate Chain on our channel than Monero, which blows my mind. So the community is fantastic. We love it. And so it's good to be speaking with you so that we could give some red meat to those guys and learn a little bit more. So um, I do want to start off by asking, um, how did you get into the Pirate Chain? Uh, how did the Pirate Chain project start? What was the impetus? Yeah, so Pirate Chain originated from the Komodo ecosystem. And a bunch of the developers over there were curious as to if a fully shielded chain could exist and work, you know, because you had things like um, Zcash that were out there that offered optional privacy. And the ecosystem being, you know, you know, wanting to have full privacy and make sure that there's no transparent transactions that occur on the network, uh, wanted to see if that could be built. And it was able to be built. So then it was launched on August 29th of 2018 and then continued from there and just continued development of uh, you know, ZK Snarks and the usage of it and everything. So I got involved um, in October of 2018 as just as a community member and me being very privacy oriented and things like that. So naturally I was you know, drawn to Pirate Chain and uh, wanted to do anything I could to help out because after joining, you know, I, I love the community. I love what it stood for and just wanted to help out in any way that I could. So I started off making uh, physical coins like physical crypto coins for the project. And then from that point, just kind of worked my way up and helped out with marketing and then eventually got promoted to captain about a year later. Very cool. Very cool. And you guys are a fork of Zcash. Is that correct? Uh, we're a, the, uh, Komodo is a fork of Zcash and then we're a fork of Komodo. Interesting. Komodo and got rid of all their uh, private send transactions. So. Okay. Okay. And so I do want to get into that a little bit, what the differentiations between Zcash and PowerChain is, because a lot of people wonder about that. Um, so you talked about Znarks a little bit and shielded transactions. Uh, mm -hmm. What are some of the main uh, facets of PowerChain, which maybe differentiate it from other projects in the privacy community? Yeah, so we are private send only for P2P transactions, meaning that you can only send shielded transactions. There's no way for a user to actually send a transparent transaction. The only transparent transactions that occur on the network is block rewards, which get distributed to you know the uh, the uh, mining pools or uh, you know the, the solo miners and so forth. And then from that point, it can only be sent to 
uh, shielded addresses. So that's one way we differ. Uh, obviously the tokenomics differ. Um, and yeah, we build, everything we do is privacy oriented. So whether we're building, you know, an OS to, you know, help shield users and things like that, or you know, just some of the products that we're offering, they're basically there to enhance user privacy. Right, and Zcash to some degree is optional, the privacy, but you guys are not optional. Everything is private by default. Yeah, it's something like 97% of their all their transactions are transparent transactions, which ruins fungibility and uh, ruins privacy. Optional privacy is not private. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we say all the time. And I think Dash even admitted to that. Like a lot of our transactions aren't that private at all. You can figure out uh, a lot of detail about the transactions. And even though it's private by uh, it being optionally private to some degree, uh, it's actually not that private, even if you choose to go that route. So um, it does mess that up a little bit. And I think with Zcash, you have to use certain wallets in order to have your transactions be automatically shielded. But then again, it's optional to use those wallets. And so yep. it's not exactly ideal. Exactly. Um, so let's see here. What are some of the newest developments for Pirate Chain? I think we just had a halving, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And the yeah. implications of that are the blocks, like there's fewer coins left. And so there are less block rewards, which is more deflationary or something like that, right? Yeah, so essentially every approximately nine months, Pirate Chain halves, and that reduces the amount of uh, block, the amount of R that's provided in a block reward by half. So now I think we're down to 16, I believe. So went from 32. Yep. Okay. So I was speaking with Arctic Mine, who is a developer on the Monero blockchain, and we talked a little bit about Pirate Chain. He was not so familiar with the project, which kind of surprised me, but... Um, he had some questions that I kind of want to relay to you, and some of that plays into uh, the limit, the limitation on how much pirate chain is left, um, or just how much is in circulation in total, and mm -hmm. what the proof of work algorithm is. So, what is the proof of work algorithm? I know that you guys use a delayed proof of work algorithm, which ties into Komodo and Bitcoin to secure yourself against fifty-one percent attacks, I believe, if I'm correct. correct. So, but what else is integrated into that algorithm? So we utilize Equihash, right? So Equihash is our uh, protocol that we use. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a you know, standard protocol. It's literally, uh, it's ASIC mineable, which I know that for GPU crowds, they hate that, but for ASIC crowds, they love that, you know? So it's, to me, the whole mining thing is, it's just preference really. There's no real... Um, no real advantage to having GPUs versus ASICs because ASICs are pretty cheap these days. I mean, how you look at uh, GPUs now, they're like, you know, for what, 3080 or 2080, it's over a grand, you know? So yeah, yeah. price point, like price point used to be the main factor in which uh, 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 graphics card people would just complain about ASICs and say, uh, and, you know, say which way or another. But uh, for nowadays, it's about the same. So it doesn't worry you the potential for uh, centralization at all? You don't think that could happen? Not at all. I mean, who's the, I mean, somebody could easily just buy up most of the video cards too, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, think we actually have, see that happen with You can have um, AMD or, you know, NVIDIA 
themselves get into the mining market and just utilize their own video cards to just mine the hell out of any chain they want, right? So, yeah. I mean, either way, and there's only two main, there's only two main graphics card manufacturers. So there's actually more ASIC manufacturers than there are graphics card manufacturers. Okay. So you guys don't have any inclination to do random X like they have in Monero where you mine it with your computer as opposed to ASICs? No, because I mean, you're fighting a losing battle at that point, right? Because eventually someone will develop an ASIC for, you know, a given algorithm that's supposed to be uh, GPU only, you know, or say FPGAs could invade the network. Who knows, right? So oh, interesting. So you're saying point, that ASICs resistance uh, could be bypassed with some algorithm? Yeah. I mean, how many times have uh, has Monero changed their uh, uh, protocol, right? Because I mean, they they changed it a few times because there were ASICs that were mining on the network. And then now I don't think RandomX has had that instance yet, but, you know, it's all a matter of time, you know? So it's eventually that will get bypassed, in my opinion. I mean, it could be a very long time from now. It could be tomorrow. Who knows? But it's just, to me, it's a losing battle. Okay. Interesting points. Interesting points. Um Arctic Mine also had comments about uh, scalability and tail emission and how tail emission is essential, for, in his opinion, for scalability. What are your thoughts on tail emission? I know that a lot of people don't like it because it introduces an inflationary element into the picture. And I know that most people with crypto, they're excited about deflation because that, include, that increases the probability of the value of the coins going higher over mm -hmm. time. But... Arctic Mine seems to believe that if you have tail emission, which allows for dynamic block size, it incentivizes miners to continue to mine into the future. So given that Pirate Chain has a limited um, number of coins that are consistently halved and presumably the rewards go down and down, uh, what's to keep people mining into the future? What are your thoughts on tail emission? Tail, I mean, to be completely honest, I'm not a completely against tail emission. Because the points that he made are, are valid, right? Because you have, it incentivizes miners to continue mining. However, you are incre increasing the total supply. What a lot of people don't realize, though, is that the total supply is generally going to be less than what it actually states. The reason being, or I, I would say circulating supply. So even if you hit your max cap, your circulating supply is more than likely going to be less because coins get lost. Coins get, you know, go into wallets and people lose the private keys or they're gone forever, pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes up for those type of situations. Um, so I'm not completely against it. It all depends on, you know, how much is being introduced into the supply over a period of time. But, mm. um, you know, for the most part, I'm not totally against it. Um, with Pirate Chain, we obviously we don't have tail emissions, so... It relies on um, transaction fees, for which for Pirate, I think it's 0.0001R. Um, I think that does have an advantage, though, in the sense that uh, it, it kind of tries to push the price up more just because it, uh, with, when it comes to miners, with a lot of them trying to make back their money for mining, you know, they're the ones that are generally selling whatever that asset is to make back what their cost in electricity is and so forth, you know, and make some profit off of that. So they could enhance that. There's, 
um, in my opinion, um, it all depends on uh, what uh, what mechanisms are in place to prevent things like 51% attacks and so forth. And that's why we're usually delayed for for work to mitigate that. So. Right. Right. Um, very good. Very good. And I know that um, I think Monero is working on peer to peer uh, decentralized mining pools. Um, is there anything in the works in regards to mining, which is novel in pirate chain that you know about? Um, Offhand, no. I do know that we are developing a new operating system uh, that'll be more of a full-fledged crypto operating system. Uh, it'll include uh, ways to basically mine other coins to, you know, automatically distribute uh, purchase uh, pirate chain. So, for example, if you wanted to mine a very profitable coin, but you wanted to have pirate chain instead, you can mine that utilizing a service like Zpool or Zergpool and then get paid out in pirate chain. So we would build that into it. Um, but as far as other mining services, not to my knowledge. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I'd be interested to look more into that. And I'm not a technical person, so some of that just went over my head, but uh, <laughs> that sounds that sounds interesting. Um, now, Arctic Mine also expressed concerns, not necessarily with pirate chain, but with different projects in the sphere uh, in regards to regulation, because if you have pre-mine, if you have developer taxes and things like that, that can make you a target for regulation. Uh, to my knowledge, reading up on Pirate Chain, there's none of that involved. Nope. Okay, so that's good. That's good. So there's no pre-mine, but one of the concerns that people have in the Monero community is how much has been mined in such a short period of time. And I do know that, you know, to a certain degree, if these projects are going to last for a long period of time, what difference is eight years or two years? You know what I mean? Because yeah. like 98% of the Monero has been mined, I think. And then yeah, some actually, of those big it's, ones. It's going to be 100% next year, I believe. Really? And then we go into tail mission, right? Yeah. And then um, that said, what is your response to that? Well, my response is essentially, it depends on the project. It really does. You know, because there's projects out there that release their full supply. Like there's like the tokens that are out there for certain projects. They release their entire supply and they still thrive. It's because it, it all depends on supply and demand. And, um, you know, they generally depend on, you know, say uh, ICOs or IEOs or whatever to distribute. So it all depends on the initial distribution, how it gets uh, kind of evened out over time and so forth. So whether you mine it in two years or 40 years or whatever, you know, it, to me, it, it's not that big of a deal as long as the distribution is easily accessible and as long as, you know, you have the user base over time to start building up and buying and basically leveling out the playing field in terms of, you know, how much everyone has. Right. And I think it's impressive that you guys have gotten as far as you've gotten without any pre-mine or developer tax or anything like that. Because I know it's to rough. break into the market <laughs> now, uh, a lot of people, they do pre-mine, they do things like this so that they could market, so that they could get liquidity out there. But you guys have you know, done good coming into the market late and not having any of that stuff. So that's great. Um, but another concern that people have has to do with trusted setup. Uh, mm -hmm. You've probably heard of this before. And I think I saw you do an interview 
with somebody at some festival you guys were talking about this and you had mentioned the halo arc update uh would you mind telling us about that um well two points about that real quick one the trusted setup for those who don't know has to do with the uh, initial key generation and everything for uh sapling which initially for sprout which was the update before sapling um they only had a handful of people that actually were involved in that ceremony. And then if one of them was compromised, then the whole, then, you know, that's bad news. But when it comes to sapling, there was 83 people, I believe, or 87, something around there that were involved all from all around the world. And it was all voluntary. And if one person's honest out of all those people, then the system upholds. So, to me, it's an overblown issue. I mean, it's just, it. I mean, it. there's nothing that can really, uh, nothing that can break that as long as one person is honest. And there's been several reported cases of people destroying their keys. So is to me, it's a non-issue. Now, as far as the Halo arc, um, so it's- Quick question, before, before we get to the Halo arc, if somebody destroys their keys, that means the trust is set up, therefore cannot be taken advantage Correct. of? Okay, Correct. so good. Uh, that's pretty yeah. straightforward, um, as uh, far as, as I understand. Far, yeah, as far as the Halo arc, it's a uh, trustless version of Sapling, right? So it's the trustless version of that entire setup, but it does come with its downsides: reduce track, reduce uh, transaction speed, increase transaction time, and just the weight of the transactions are a lot heavier. So you're sacrificing basically the uh, your speed and your capability and your transactions per second for um, you know the trustless version which you really have to look hard at those trade-offs and see if it's really worth it which a lot of people say it is because it's trustless but then at the same time you know your chain is a lot harder a lot bigger it's just takes a lot more effort to send transactions. So what made them want to do this cost-benefit analysis if, you know, the trusted setup was okay? Was it to just make it market better amongst people who were concerned about the trusted setup? Or Well, uh, I don't think like they, um, as far, because Zcash was the one that's developing that. And as far as I know, it's not so much about the concerns. It's uh, like, if they could have developed this from the get-go, they would have. It's just that it wasn't thought possible until, you know, they started actually doing research into it and things like that and just, you know, figuring that out. I mean, it's zero-knowledge proofs, which is math that's completely over my head and most people I know said. So, yeah, totally. I mean, it's just developing that is no easy task. 100%. And I think just something coming to my head, zero proofs were patented or something like that and that they became unpatented and then it was able to be incorporated into crypto am i right about that this is actually I, something which I, has been around for a while um it's been around since i believe the 80s as far yes as that's I, what i've heard yeah yeah i don't know the, the full story about the patent stuff but um i do know it's been around since the 80s okay yes and it's good technology um well good good and this is like a totally left field theoretical thing but because you guys use delayed proof of work which ties into i believe bitcoin or litecoin i think you guys made a change regarding litecoin or something like that uh, well we didn't make that change komodo did because we utilized oh, their yeah. delayed proof of work service 
So they moved over from Bitcoin to Litecoin because, I mean, when you do Bitcoin, you have to think of it this way, right? So every, uh, every time there's a block on Komodo that gets mined, you know, all the, it basically notarizes, the, uh, notarizes our transactions onto Komodo, right? So you wait two minutes for that. Now, if you were to do Bitcoin from that point, which that's, that was the process, it goes from Pirate to Komodo, then Komodo gets notarized on the Bitcoin. You have to wait 10 minutes for that to occur, you know? Wow, so yeah. the change happened because the hash rate on Litecoin is sufficient, like sufficiently high. I mean, it's massive that, you know, it's a logical transition and those notarizations can happen pretty much right away rather than waiting every 10 minutes from Komodo to Bitcoin, you know? So it, it actually becomes a little bit more secure. Good. That's, that's pretty fascinating. Now, what happens if Lightning or uh, Litecoin goes out of Vogue? Uh, what if people stop using it? What if it goes to zero? Would Komodo just be piggyback on another crypto blockchain and then secure yep. it? Yep. Cool. And even if Komodo were to disappear tomorrow, Pirate Chain will still exist and still continue on with, like nothing happened. Just we would lose the delayed proof of work. Okay. And, that's and there's other that services out there, like, for example, Dragon Chain that do notarizations as well that we can utilize too. So there's, there's no issues with that. Interesting. I wonder how that's going to move into the future, because uh, that seems like a pretty convenient way to secure your blockchain just by using other blockchains. Uh, do you think that's oh, yeah. going to become pretty normalized and maybe Pirate Chain's early to the scene in regards to that? Well, it does. Um, it does cost money to do that. Keep that in mind. Because especially with Bitcoin, it was expensive because, you know, if you're doing one transaction every single block of Bitcoin, that's costing, you know, however much that transaction fee is. You know, so you have to look at, you know, what chains are going on to, like, if you were to try to on Ethereum, for example, imagine paying $100 per transaction that occurs on Ethereum. Oh, yeah, that'd be you know, insane. It's, it's nuts. So, yeah, it's... It's all about, you know, cost-benefit analysis as well as, you know, looking at the hash rates and looking at the stability of the change, what um, what uh, protocol they use for mining and so forth, you know. So. Right. Interesting, interesting. Good points, good points. Um, you talked about it being expensive. That is another question that I have. How is Pirate Chain being funded? I know it's a private cryptocurrency. If you don't want to tell me, that's fine, but... Uh, there's no pre-mine or anything like that. So how is it that you guys are able to do these operations? Is it voluntarily oriented or uh, something like that? Yeah, it's uh, completely voluntary. You know, none of us get paid here. We just do it because we love the project and we love privacy. So the people that are working for the project, yeah, we do it just because we love it, you know, and uh, we believe in the project. Now, in terms of like funding certain initiatives, like, if there's an exchange that we want to get on that actually costs money or certain other initiatives, like for example, marketing or sponsoring events and so forth, that's when we do fundraising from the community. So the community is very, very generous. I, I, Pirate Chain is one of the best communities I've ever had, ever been a part of or ever seen. Just because people are generous, people are helpful, and they're just all around good people, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. So we've done quite a few fundraisers in the past and, you know, pretty much quickly raised a significant amount of, amount of funds to be able to do a lot of the things that we're doing, like sponsoring events or listing on certain exchanges or getting different services implemented and so forth. 
Absolutely. And that's fantastic. And I can totally back you up on the generosity in the Pirate Chain community because someone by the name of Pirate Tube, uh, who wanted me to join the Discord and the other communal elements, shout out to you, Pirate Tube. He sent me a good bit of Pirate Chain so that I could get a GoPro because he saw me shaking out in nature with this cheap camera stick that I have. So I can definitely attest to the generosity of the Pirate Chain community. It's an awesome community. And I think that's one reason why it's going to grow so much. Um, I think that in the freedom coin community, which is what I like to call it. Cause when people think of privacy, they're like, Oh, Uber Goober is doing bad stuff on the internet. Right. Yeah, but yeah. I think that you guys have so much potential because it's a party over in the pirate chain community. A lot of people are having fun. A lot of people are making memes. And I think that in our current crypto environment with memes being such a driver behind a lot of coins like Dodgecoin, for example, or Shibu dogs or whatever, like that's huge for adoption. And I think mm -hmm. that maybe other coins in the sector are a little bit lagging behind that. And that's fine. I mean, a lot of tech whizzes are here and that's what drives a lot of people to this space. But if you want mass adoption, you, know, you got to have a good time. You got to have a good community and memes and stuff like that. And so question to you, how do you think that's going to play into y'all's success? Um, it plays a big part, but the biggest part that would play into adoption for us and our success is getting our, uh, getting our coin, you know, accepted as a currency everywhere that we can. So if you go to armada.com, so it's a triple R M A D A.com, you can see all the stores that we're listed on and there's over a hundred and something stores now that, uh, you can go online and there's actually a, um, uh, it's a kebab place over in, I forget what state, but they accept Pirate Chain as a payment in that store. So you can actually go in and pay with Pirate Chain and get some food, you know? So Man. literally, it's just the, the ability to utilize the currency as it's supposed to be utilized, which is, you know, paying for goods and services, right? That's the basis of any currency. So the more stores and shops that we add, to our network of places that accept pirate chain, the more successful we'll be because then you can go about your daily life and actually pay for things that you need or you want with the currency of your choice. Yeah. And that's so key. And we talk about that all the time on the channel. Like we need to make parallel economic systems that take coins like this, just so that people can be free and people don't have to go through these crazy third-party intermediaries, which are getting ever more involved in the blockchain, like the Bitcoin and Ethereum blockchains. You've got so many data analytics companies who are sharing intel on what you're doing on those blockchains with exchanges and other parties, which you may not want to have a look into you, right? And so it's good that this is happening in the community. Uh, 100 marketplaces, that's fantastic, or 100 shops. And that's where the movement really is, like you say, mm -hmm. key point. Because like with everything going on, not to sort of branch off too much with you know, them making a new economic system that you need certain medical procedures to be done. You need certain passports and IDs and things like this. It's more important than ever to have different options for exchange for with people uh, outside of the system that they're coming up with. So I think that's very important. And I think that uh, there's certain gambling sites or something like this that are taking pirate chain too. Yeah. So there's a site called um, piratelife.casino which is a fully on-chain casino that utilizes Pirate Chain for its, you know, bets and things like that. So, very and cool. you can create anonymous accounts as well too, so. Very cool, very cool. Uh, let's see what other questions that I have. Now, I've commented on this a little bit, and again, 
we're about freedom here. We're not about doing bad stuff with these cryptos or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the online marketplaces on certain parts of the internet, they're still using Monero. That's still sort of like the reserve currency over there. When do you think that they're going to take on pirate chain? Do you think like it maybe just needs more street cred in order to break into those marketplaces? Because when it comes to privacy on some of these marketplaces in certain parts of the internet, uh, they very much value their privacy and they're going to go with oh, what yeah. they know. So when do you think uh, that's going to happen? Because that's going to be huge for liquidity. Um, I think that's started to happen already, just little by little, you know. Um, the big thing is just over there, it's just word of mouth, you know. So yeah. the more people that, you know, accept it or use it, the more people that get to see it and then and say, well, what is this? And then look into it. You know, it's just all about visibility, you know. So the, to, the, to be honest, we're not as visible as we'd like to be, you know. We're, I mean, obviously, you know, the Monero is the OG of privacy coins, you know. So, you know, we're not at that status, obviously. So it's just over time, you know, when people find out about Pirate Chain, when people start using it and people start seeing it, you know, that's when more and more people start accepting it and using it themselves because they see it a lot. You know, it's just all about how often they see something. You know, because, I mean, when you think of privacy coins, the first thing that comes to a lot of people's minds is Monero. You know, yeah. but some people say Zcash, but that's funny. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And interestingly enough, we've been looking into some groups which are tied into, you know, some people in the Global Easter Treehouse of Horror, which are invested in Zcash. So it makes you wonder how private Zcash actually is. And, you know, we're probably not going to see too much institutional adoption for you know, coins like Pirate Chain, maybe Monero, because Monero, you can actually opt into regulations because they have uh, spend keys and view keys, which can be optional. And you can... Yeah, we have those too. You do? We have, yeah, we have view keys, yeah. Oh, that's key. So you guys can actually be regulatory compliant. Yeah. Um, as off as that sounds being Pirate Chain, right? But like yeah. that allows it to opt into regulations, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're... a business that wants to opt into regulation and stuff and yeah i mean technically you can provide your view key and then call it a day but anything outside of that um, so that's great for a regulatory opt-in and i think you're talking about a business you know saving a view key if they want to have it for the records or something like that yeah yeah okay. so business can opt into it um because you know obviously we have uh, uh view keys and things like that so they could provide that and see all the transactions that occur and see the addresses. But Pirate Chain being Pirate Chain, you can't actually see amounts on other people's addresses. You can't see transactions they made. You can't see anything associated with those addresses. Yeah. So um, at least the bit on the business side of things, they'll be able to see that, okay, you know, here's our, here's everything that came into us and came out of us. But out of anybody else, they can't, branch off of that and say, okay, let me look at this address now. Because I view right. keys only good for that address for what they get in and send out and that's it. Right. That's so important. That's so important. So you could have just the smallest bit of information saved so that you could have it for your records without it compromising other parts of your information sphere. So that's exactly really, really good. Um let's see what I have. I think we've been through a lot. I think we've really covered a lot of ground here. Most of the questions that I have have been answered. 
What are some other concerns that you often get about Pirate Chain that you could address? Because looking into most of this stuff, I think we've addressed a lot of concerns, uh, but you probably hear more than I do about different troubles that people have with the protocol. So uh, what more could you tell us about that? Um, aside from that, there's, I mean, I addressed pretty much most of it. One of the other uh, common things that said is, uh, you know, about the whole pre-mine thing because of the uh, uh, the amount that is able to be mined at the very beginning and the, uh, you know, we have a having every nine months. So obviously like in the beginning, there was a lot that was being mined um, and a lot of some, I wouldn't say a lot, just very few people are like, oh, well, you know, that's considered a pre-mine because only the dev knew about it. I'm like, that ain't true, you know, because the thing is, is that just like any project that's out there, you know, it takes time to grow, takes time to build your community and so forth, right? And the thing is, too, is that we already had, you know, a decent-sized community thanks to Komodo because they're the ones who developed Pirate Chain in the beginning. So from that whole ecosystem pretty much knew about us from the get-go. Now, the key thing there is that, and uh, and let me preface this with, you know, I'm a huge fan, fan of Monero. I love Monero as a project and everything. But it's just, there's always going to be, there's always going to be maximalists for projects, even though maximal, being a maximalist for any project is to me stupid. Yeah. But Same thing um, on our channel. Yeah, we believe in yeah. the, fr the freedom of the entire human race and we believe in the success of the entire space. And yeah. we look for every project to succeed that can succeed. If there's a scam coin, let us know so that we could look into it and check ourselves. But for the most part, we want every project in this space to succeed because of the higher goals that we have. Exactly. And there should be more than one privacy coin that's out there that's successful too, you know, because in the event that something happens and there's only one privacy coin out there, then everyone gets screwed rather than there being alternatives to move to, to, to contain, to protect your privacy. Right. But either way, uh, what I was going to say was, uh, you know, the, uh, some of the, the people that generally say that are from, are maximalists from the Monero community. And generally what they say is, well, you know, you know, there's so much that was mined in the beginning and not many people knew, what the pro knew about the project. But the counter argument to that is, well, when you look at Monero, especially mine in the beginning, that was something that was super difficult to do. And not many people were in, that, in, this, in the crypto space to begin with at that point anyways. So that's technically the same thing. And even when you look at Bitcoin, you know, in the very beginning, who was really mining Bitcoin? nobody in the very beginning right like pokemon so, traders in japan right yeah exactly <laughs> japanese so, controlled bitcoin we can't not adopt this right yeah exactly so you and it's the same concept it's just over time that entire supply generally gets leveled out as people buy and sell and so forth you know so you know that whole quote-unquote pre-mine thing even though we didn't actually have a pre-mine it's just a it's a stupid argument you know right. um and then trying to think of anything else. So, so there was that. Generally, it's the trusted setup. There's and, one thing I was uh, reading today maybe you could address. Um, probably not a big deal. But there's somebody who is commenting on some thread in the Pirate Chain Reddit community. And he said, and I believe this is like a month and a half ago, that if you look at the readme next to the source code script, it says that Pirate Chain is highly experimental. Use at your own risk. Now, that's the case with most cryptocurrencies, right? This whole yeah. space is experimental. But what are your thoughts on that? Some people are concerned about that. It's like, oh, it's not ready yet. 
do you guys have frequent audit audits of the code? Um, are you guys working with anyone who looks over some of this stuff to ensure it's uh, we've had, uh, We've actually had an audit not long ago of uh, the light code, but the thing is, is that uh, the code has technically been audited through Zcash anyways, you know, because it's, we're using their stuff. It's just, we're enforcing privacy, right? Right. So, and plus on top of that, we are building on top of that to where, you know, if you look at our, uh, our wallets, for example, right? When we uh, integrate with exchanges, you can generate, you know, a million addresses right on the fly, you know? And then rescanning instead of instead of it taking freaking years to do, especially if there's a ton of transactions on a lot of addresses, it takes you know 20 minutes you know for an exchange to do something like that. It takes like no time at all compared to what it used. So we're building upon that code that was already audited and done. You know, um, yeah. as far as the whole experimental thing, um, honestly, I haven't seen that. But if that is there, I mean. Just like any other cryptocurrency out there, you know, it is experimental. Even though we are feature complete, we are a complete chain. So there's yeah. nothing that, you know, we're still building to finish anything off. Right. So, but yeah, yeah, just like any crypto that's out there, you know, technically it is experimental. So Absolutely. And even Bitcoin. I mean, I think back in 2013 or 14, they had an inflation bug. Now the developers yeah. didn't tell anyone about this, but yeah, even with Bitcoin, big dog Bitcoin, there can be certain problems with the code and that could put you at risk for using it. I mean, it's not like yeah. gold. It's not like something you put in your hand that we're talking about computer code here and accounting yeah. ledger. And so, yes, use at your own risk. Absolutely. Um, with all this being considered, I think this is fantastic. Uh, I'm really excited about the project. What is coming up soon? Uh, what are you excited about for the project here coming up? So we have um, Wrapped R coming out that we've done War. Um, nice. That's going to be utilized on Binance Smart Chain and then eventually move over to some other uh, some other EVMs like, you know, um, maybe Polygon and some certain other ones. But uh, the usage of that is to protect or basically to give users privacy and when they want to exit for example, uh, BSC and go back to a private chain, you know, so um, they can utilize it for that. And it also allows us to get onto uh, certain DEXs like PancakeSwap or whatever. So it's easier to trade and it's, it's safe to trade there because you're literally trading from your own wallet. You're not providing anybody your keys or anything. So yeah. Um, it, there, it, it does a, quite a few things and stuff that, you know, obviously we can't really market or say, but, you know, just right. uh, it, it helps out other users, you know. And plus, yeah. we, uh, we have a, uh, a staking contract on there as well so that when people provide liquidity, you know, they can actually uh, get paid for all the transactions that occur from the buys and sells and so forth. So this way, users can actually... Uh, help out the project by providing liquidity and then get paid over time for doing so. Cool. so plus that the helps out the project as well because you know a small percentage of that goes to pirate chain for marketing and development too so i think the the tax is like one percent of uh any buy or sell or transfer and stuff and then half of that goes to the project the other half goes to liquidity stakers Okay, interesting. And does this introduce any regulatory issues for 
the parachain community, not necessarily the community, but the development of the coin. Um, shouldn't. Shouldn't. Okay. Good. That's good. Um, and I think that you guys got on Qcoin sometime in the last few months, which is fantastic. Yep. Um, so exchanges are beginning to adopt more parachain. And I think that I've been hearing about atomic swaps for parachain. Is that on your radar? Yes. Yep. That's, uh, it should be in the next update of atomic decks. Fantastic. Fantastic. And that allows people to trustlessly peer to peer exchange pirate chain for other coins. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you can, uh, anything that's listed on that exchange, if there's a market for it, or you can, you know, create your own market by putting up a, an order on there to trade, say, um, I don't know, something that was recently listed was Topol, which is an NFT project for Komodo. Uh, you could trade Topol for Pirate Chain trustlessly. Trust yeah. So cool. you don't have to rely on, you know, third parties to be the intermediary between a trade. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a tweet by a guy named Navel. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he said that the future of crypto is total decentralization and total privatization. And so that said, Pirate Chain, Monero, way ahead of the curve, way ahead of the movement. And so I think, again, fantastic project. Um, so with all that being said, where can people go to join the Pirate Chain community? Where can people go to follow your work? Yeah, so they can go to pirate.black, which is our website. And then uh, we have uh, dozens upon dozens of socials on different platforms. Like we have our Discord, Telegram, Float, Twitter, uh there's a Facebook community group. There's uh, obviously Reddit, tons and tons of different places. Uh, our Discord and our Telegram are obviously the main places for communication. Um, I highly recommend Discord because I can't stand Telegram yeah. simply for the fact that it is just, I love organization. So mm -hmm. with Telegram, it's just one long chat, whereas in uh, Discord, you have different channels for different purposes and so forth. So, but yeah. either way, join one of those and just start talking to the community and just, you know, you know, hang out, just, uh, you know, get to know everybody and just, you know, just uh, be yourself. Because, I mean, we're all here for the same reason, you know, to stay private and to take back our privacy in terms of financial privacy, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great way to end, I think. So, Draith, thank you so much for coming on our channel. And uh, we're excited to have you back when future developments happen. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. All right.